To all the time investors, this is Igly with Equity Breakdown, where you'll find short, no bullshit overviews of public companies. Now, today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different, pivoting off from space. It will be gaming. Now, gaming is eclipsing the entertainment industry and surpassing the traditional streaming services. Within this $161 billion market, the fastest growing segment is mobile gaming. Today, we will break down Skills, ticker symbol SKLZ, the company that is aiming to tap into the competitive nature of gamers and transform the future of electronic gaming. So what is Skills? Well, Skills provides a platform for users to socially compete and watch multiplayer esports games. Simple as that. The company empowers developers to share their creation and for gamers to compete. Now, the company is creating a gaming ecosystem that fuels the competition layer of the internet. So simply put, they're trying to stimulate competition between players. And you can see here, it's a flywheel effect. So you have engagement by gamers, which creates demand, which started from the content that developers were creating, which then provides supply. So that full circle then leads into that engagement ecosystem to create the platform that Skills has. Now they offer three types of games. First game, you can play the exact game at different times and scores are compared. The other one, you can play a multiplayer game where they take turns like chess and then the winner is determined at the end. And the final one is where you're actually playing live, making moves simultaneously between each other and then the winner is determined at the end. Now top games on the platform alternate year by year. And in 2020, the top three games were Solitaire Club, 21 Blitz, and Blackout Bingo. Now, personally, it's been, I can't remember, about 10 years since I actually played Solitaire, but hey, these games still come out, especially when that once that competitive nature kicks in. Now, the company has also uh, quite repeatedly stated some key values, and they are trust, fairness, and competition when building their ecosystems. And you guys can watch here a particular video that just gives you a very... Uh, marketing level uh, version of what skills is. Now, the opportunity here in terms of the market. So according to Statisa, over half the world's population uses smartphones. And based on additional studies, around 33% of app downloads are games. And within those games, users allocate 10% of their time. NewZoo highlights that the global games market has expanded from 70 billion in 2012 to 180 billion in 2021. Within the market, the fastest growing segment is mobile gaming at a CAGR of 27% from 12 billion in 2012 to 106 billion in 2021. So great double digit growth in terms of the total gaming market and then as well as the mobile gaming market. Now, majority of the gamers are usually young adults with a medium age of 29 years old, which is uh, pretty surprising. I guess our generation's finally kicking in, hitting our thirties and uh, still playing games, heck yeah. And then on top of that, according to the Entertainment Software Association, 64% of American adults played video games in 2020. Now, when it comes to esports, the competition sparks an immense amount of passion and engagement from fans. Millions of fans will want to watch their favorite performers and are also more willing to consume and spend on content. Now, in this market, there is a high demand for content with an engaged and passionate user base. Over the years, content creation in the gaming industry has democratized with standardized game development and distribution platforms such as Unity and Unreal. 
which is resulting in over 15 million game developers making content. So phenomenal. Now, no longer do you have to be in a very expensive studio and taking a significant amount of hurdles to produce something. The power of technology, guys. So with that understanding, what are the strategic resources for skills? So the company's main strategic resource is their proprietary, highly scalable software platform. That's strictly pulled straight out from their uh, filed SEC documents. The goal behind the platform is essentially to align developer and gamers' interest and ensure user monetization. So the formula is simple. The more contests and time spent by gamers in a specific game, the more revenue is generated for developers. Okay, so now let us understand the platform in more detail. So the platform provides three key features connected by the power of data science. So the first one is the gamer competition engine. So this is a software development kit which provide 200 features in a 15 megabyte package to allow for seamless updates that improve gameplay engagement and retention. So I'm not gonna pretend to know what all that means except for the fact that, hey, these SDKs as they call them in the gaming industry allow for quick uh, updates to improve gameplay engagement and retention for developers. Uh, and they can control a lot of things that comes with that. So it's like a, a package, a, a coding package of sorts. Uh, that streamlines a lot of things for them. Focusing on retention, the company has found an efficient way to match skill rating and timely match gamers as well. Simultaneously, to ensure engagement, the company has embedded social features such as in-game chat and participation within leagues or with friends to build community strengths. Now, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, they can match skill rating pretty efficiently due to the data that they've collected and their algorithms. And then they can timely match you. So as soon as you finish a game, boom, you can go to the next game with the same level of skill. That is pretty nice because uh, it reduces the gap of you leaving the platform or just getting bored, uh, especially when you're not being challenged. So it's a great way to keep that competitive nature in play. The other element here is live operations. So the system technologies allow for multivariate testing to enhance engagement and retention. Additionally, with the segment management tool, the company can create cross-application personalization and player incentive optimization. And finally, the developer console. So the dashboard allows for developers to integrate quickly and check their performance of their games. The developers are also able to onboard little obstacles and are ready to use their software development kits in about a day. So pretty comprehensive package here that gives a lot of functionality and at the same time, focuses very deeply on ensuring developers are pleased and more importantly also the gamers are pleased both are important to the success of the formula that skills is trying to produce now the company also utilizes algorithms and machine learning capabilities to connect all the features just mentioned of the software platform this includes anti-cheat anti-fraud player rating matching and segmentation now, to ensure the best experience for a gamer, the company has identified 65 different behavior sets that can be implemented. And additionally, they've actually collected 300 data points during each gameplay session to feed their algorithms for optimization. So this is the power of AI, guys, or specifically machine learning here, where you're using data to optimize a platform so it can produce a great user experience for gamers. Pretty cool. Now we jump onto the developing resource section. So as of 1231-2020, they've actually had 58 patents in total with 39 patents granted. The company has also steadily increased their R&D investment amounting to 23 million in 2020, representing a 110% year-over-year increase. 
To put this in perspective, the investment represents 10% of revenue generated during that fiscal year. Now, their R&D was a little bit low relative to the sales and marketing, but it might be the nature of the, the, the company itself and the industry that they play in. I love to see uh, that R&D scale, uh, I'm sorry, go up uh, to ensure that they are really attracting and reinvesting not only in the platform, uh, but also producing uh, some type of IP that enhances the user gaming experience and also empowers developers to produce more advanced games. Now, the customer landscape and partnerships. So the Skills Flywheel is built by a developer and a gamer community. To date, the company has 9,000 registered game developers. The top developer is 42% of the revenue, so that's important to understand that. From the gamer community, the company has 2.6 million active users. Between these communities, the company hosts on average 5 million daily tournaments with 1.4 million paid entry daily tournaments. A lot of millions thrown <laughs> being thrown around there, but simply state they have a pretty thriving community from the developing side as well as from the gamer side. In Q1 2021, Skills announced partnerships with Play Mechanics Partners, which will uh, bring the arcade franchise Big Buck Hunter, and I played that in a lot of bars, exclusive to mobile on the Skills platform. Now, Play Mechanics Partners has sold around 46,000 arcade machines worldwide. And I actually also sucked at Big Buck Hunter too, so not a good hunter uh, in the digital world at all. Uh, on the other end here, in Q2 of 2021, they actually announced a partnership with NFL to host a global game developer challenge that will develop an NFL-themed mobile game. The challenge has actually launched. So from this challenge, then they're going to see, based off of the games that can uh, develop, uh, to form a formal, long-going partnership with the NFL. Um, so right now, it seems like it's in its beginning stages here. Um, this has provided a lot of excitement for some uh, hardcore skills fans, and also uh, it's been a focal point for some of those uh, uh, bear cases when it comes to uh, the company as well, too. Now, let's jump into the business model and growth strategies. So how does Skill achieve a business model that aligns the interests of developers and gamers? So the company monetizes through competition. So very different from traditional gaming platforms that use these ads, uh, you have to buy things in order to participate. It's just unattractive. Uh, that's the last thing I want to do, is, especially if I'm trying to do something fun, is to be just inundated with a shit ton of ads. Players pay an entry fee and Skills recognizes a 14.6% cut out of the fee as revenue. The remaining is divided between prizes, incentives, and game developer profit share. Now, it is important to understand that the entry fee breakout that is reported is not all cash deposits. It is currently 11% cash deposits, 82% cash winnings that have not been withdrawn, and 7% end user incentives. Now, from this, uh, you can see here that you know uh, they are sharing a significant portion of the revenue with the developers and also the game prizes and incentives that come with it. So out of the uh, full, call it, uh, GMV or the gross margin value that's coming out of uh, the uh, the revenue that's being retained from the entry fees, uh, the company uh, expects 14.6% cut on average. So what has happened here? So the GMV is about 1.6 billion uh, in total for 2020, which is 80% year-over-year increase. And uh, in Q1 results, it had about 567 million, so another 85% year-over-year. So strong double-digit growth there in the high 80% ranges. The revenue actually was around 230 million, 
which represented 92% year over year, and in Q1, around 83.7 million, which was around uh, that same percentage. Uh, now, as we dive in, uh, you know, monthly average users are cool, but at the end of the day, I care about making the money. So paying monthly average users are even better. Uh, with that, they have about an average of 300,000, uh, which represents about 88% year over year. And for the month, uh, the Q1 results about, uh, 470,000, which represents 81% year over year. So you can see here that, uh, they've been seeing consistent uh, trends uh, in terms of uh, increases in that participation. Now, the average revenue per paying monthly active user is around $59. Uh, that was slightly 5% down from uh, year over year, if you, you look at those averages. And then in 2021, it was around $60, so about 7%. So you can see here it's, it, it's been about pretty constant uh, when it comes to these things. So, you know, what this says is people like to spend money, but they're not throwing in big bucks. So uh, you need to make sure you increase your user base that are paying. Now, from a user acquisition marketing investment perspective, uh, they've actually been spending a lot, 136.7 million, which is about 160% year over year. And in 2021, uh, about 54.3 million, which is another 100% uh, year over year. Um, and that about represents 60% of revenue. Um, so, you know, the goal here is they're trying to acquire uh, a lot of customers uh, and uh, to participate in their platform. So right now, uh, I could see this as a strategic play to fuel that growth, especially as they've been they're early on in this process. Um, but eventually, uh, the goal here is uh, the retention that comes from that. Uh, that's pretty key here, and how much of these guys are still using the game, using the platform to continue playing over longer periods of time. Now, based on gap measures, the company is not profitable. However, the company believes that if they exclude the UA marketing investment, uh, because they consider it as an investment, and apply their business model, they will result in 30% adjusted EBITDA margins for 2020 and 28% adjusted EBITDA margins for 2021 Q1. Um, so, and on top of that, they have gross margins around 95% uh, for that. So you can see here that uh, non-GAAP uh, uh, metrics are pretty favorable for the company as they've been reporting. Now, they actually plan to accelerate growth through the following initiatives. International expansion. Uh, right now, 10% of the revenue is generated from the international market, which is surprising because it's four times larger than the North American market. So they need to really focus there. And I know when it comes to mobile users, when you go to Asia, boy, it's another ball game over there. On top of that, you have increased engagement. So estimated average time spent on skills platform based off of the, remember this is estimate, skills does not track how long you are playing on the platform. So they've found a way to calculate this, is 60 minutes per user. Tap into the desire for competition. That's their goal. And finally, the monetization model. So 16% of MAUs enter paid contests uh, and the other 84% will be monetized through virtual goods and low friction ads. So. What they're trying to do is, okay, we already know people that want to pay uh, to enter contests. That's about 60%. What about with the other guys? So they're going to try to figure out low friction ads. So ads that don't just pop in your face, but they're like subconsciously hitting throughout the platform. The ability for you to buy virtual goods, which is a new common trend that's happening, especially in the gaming sphere, uh, and so forth. Now, what, now that we understand the performance and the business model, let's get an idea of the team DNA and uh, kind of their vision. So the CEO and co-founder, Andrew Paradise, that's a sick last name. 
Andrew is a serial entrepreneur with a strong track record. He sold a mobile self-checkout to a public company for around uh, $20 million and built many other private companies as well. Uh, now Andrew makes sure his entire team at Skills is playing video games. So to do this, he's personally locked 3,363 games or 170 hours of bubble shooter himself. So what a CEO, man. This guy is killing it using his own <laughs> platform. He understands the convergence of human behavior, mobile gaming, and esports. So he's pretty well in tune with, uh, with the environment uh, and the, the circle of competence he's playing in. Uh, the other co-founder and chief revenue officer is Casey Chafkin. Casey was a VP of business development for uh, Isle Buyer, which was a company that was founded by the CEO, uh, Mr. Paradise, and uh, work, while he was working with him. Uh, his business experience has propelled him to build a great business model at Skills. Uh, and then, of course, executive team's experiences range from esports, finance, film production, which was interesting, and private equity investments at top tier companies. Now, let's look at the team here. So the company has installed a healthy culture that is realistically mission driven. They were actually also voted this year as one of the best companies to work in uh, with, from uh, the city of San Francisco. First and foremost, all employers must play games at least 35 times per week. Uh, if I would have done that uh, under some of my other former employers, well, let's just say it would not have been seen as a productive uh, way to spend my time. Over the course of their history, the company has been recognized for great leadership and an innovative environment. On Glassdoor, 83% approve the leadership of the CEO and 75% would recommend their friends to work at Skills. So let us see what employees have to say about the company. Pros here. Skills is a fast paced and exciting place to work. Check. Better work-life balance than most companies I have worked for. Interesting. Cons. Normal startup growing pains. Everyone is busy with many responsibilities and there are long hours. Well, welcome to my world in the corporate finance. Uh, it is what it is. And the other thing here is mid-market location on Market Street is convenient to Bart and Mooney, but not a great neighborhood. Well, uh, can't fix uh, San Francisco on that front. Uh, the other element here. So, you know, the comments seem pretty favorable to me, uh, and it looks like uh, the employees are showing some strong support uh, from that. Now, as you guys understand the team DNA and you kind of get the vision here that's being created, uh, let us jump into some key insights here. So high level, mobile gaming is taking over and in 2020 accounts for 51% of total gaming revenue. Based on trends presented from Will Hershey of Roundhill Investments uh, in one of their uh, podcast interviews by ARC, more people are watching game and esports than Netflix, HBO, Hulu, and ESPN combined. That is a green light indicator right there. This is happening and the trend is growing and it's no longer a trend. The other element here, scale will matter in mobile uh, gaming. It's quite common that many mobile gamers need to spend significantly to acquire users through paid marketing channels. With scale, the company can generate additional content to ensure engagement. Uh, sophisticated player segmentation tools also will allow for customizations, which will be essential to maximize the lifetime value of gamers. So scale is very important. It provides you the ability to have greater content, more developers participating in your ecosystem, therefore attracting better uh, gamers. And then you layer on the segmentation aspect of it. Well, I think you're talking about something unique there happening. Now, let's look at an investor's perspective on gaming. 
Blake Robbins, partner at Ludlow Ventures, was interviewed in Invest Like the Best about investing in gaming and highlighted an interesting concept about a platform that would be the Webflow for Games lookalike. So that's how he's considering uh, when he's investing in gaming. Uh, this would empower creators to design games without friction, spawning some top hits. So he's thinking of gaming as content creation. And not from a YouTube uh, perspective, as he mentioned, uh, but more of designing games and having the tools to quickly design them. This then allows uh, uh, for greater democratization and then ultimately uh, some hidden talents that can appear. Additionally, you're not able to build multiple games a year. And when you have one game that is successful, you can funnel that growth to other games, creating a sustainable game publishing platform. This is interesting perspective here. Uh, and as it feels like skills has accomplished something similar in nature. Now, understanding that, you know, let's look at some key strategic moats. Uh, the company, from a technology perspective, they collect 300 data points during each gameplay and they've identified 65 different behavior sets to product and optimal customized experience for gamers. That's pretty cool. Strong network effects. The economic model incentivizes developers to produce greater content, which in effect attracts more, more gamers. This flywheel effect creates an expanding community. Business model. By aligning incentives between gamers and developers, the company avoids adding consuming ads that create friction between users. This translates in strong economics, resulting in 95% margin and 25% profit. X user acquisition uh, investments. The brand component here. So trust and fairness are two descriptions associated with the skills brand. And that's what the company tries to ensure. And the team, well, it's led by two serial entrepreneurs who have created a po positive mission-driven culture and connected the entire 277 member team with the gaming products produced in the platform. So they have a pretty cool culture in the company. Now from a risks perspective. Now the company states that they compete with alternative monetization services for global for mobile gaming content. Uh, pretty com <laughs> advanced way of saying uh, there's competitors that are also in the same space uh, who are trying to monetize uh, content build uh, for mobile games. Uh, companies that are competitors and partners are Sony, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Google, and Unity. Other uh, competitors are also Zynga and Glue Mobile. From a revenue perspective, well, two games from Tether Studios and one from Big Run accounted for 79% of the revenue. In total games uh, developed by each of these two studios generated 87% of the revenue. So you can see here that a significant portion of the revenue is not only based off of two studios, uh, but on three specific games. Now, game development. The company relies on third-party developers to develop the game on their platform. So successful commercial relationships with developers are essential to ensuring quality content. Don't piss off your developers, because then you'll get shitty content, period. The other component here, gamer community risk. 80% of the total paid entry fees are prior cash winnings that have not been withdrawn. So currently 2.8 million of end user deposits have not been withdrawn for 2020. So uh, it's important that people still make whatever cash winnings they have, they still use to, use, to play into uh, other games. You wanna continue that cycle. The minute you start seeing big drawdowns, well, that's gonna impact performance uh, from a revenue perspective. And finally, distribution. Company relies on the Apple App Store for distribution. Fee structures or policy changes can create significant risk. So this is skills in every single app on the App Store. Uh, unfortunately, that's reality, but it's important to highlight that this is a risk to understand because you never know, maybe certain policies change when it comes to 
uh, you know, particular games that require people to pay. Who knows? Uh, just something to have in your back pocket. Now, understanding that, uh, the company states that they're connecting the world through competition. They want to focus on trust and fairness for users which enable game developers to build great content. This sounds like a good start to me, uh, especially in terms of the way that they're seeing the world. Now, their platform enables developers to learn, grow, and share success through analytics while allowing users to connect and experience a frictionless community, which allows for competition. So again, empowering your developers to be incentivized to create good content. Now, to ensure great content, the company monitors metrics such as the player liquidity inside each game based on number of daily active users, the stability of each game based on crash rates, the user satisfaction based on app store ratings, and user issues based on support tickets. The company wants to provide fair competition, network exposure, and financial success. They do this for everyone's best interest. Now, on the flip side, Wolfpack Research, and these guys uh, love uh, their short reports, has highlighted that there are some huge risks to skills. They've stated that the company's growth projections cannot be sustained when majority of the revenue is generated by three games. They've also denounced the NFL partnership that the company highlighted during its SPAC merger, saying that it is not a true partnership. Uh, they misled people on that one. Um, the other component here is that they've also highlighted that in-app purchases have declined and they have spoken with third-party developers of those games to confirm the contraction. Essentially, they're claiming a shark fin effect, meaning uh, usually you experience these with some mobile games. You get really high uh, popularity and then a sudden drop uh, popularity. However, man, there's some games out there, even after that certain drop, are making a lot of residual cash when it comes to that point. So I don't know, think about that. The research firm also highlighted poor leadership performance, questioning the serial entrepreneurial label of the CEO and the quality of the work environment. So, I mean, these guys went in and uh, not only did they go from a financial perspective, but they also did some personal attacks on the leadership team, the CEO, uh, for claiming on certain titles and uh, and, and uh, accolades. Um, but you know, even while these reports have certainly introduced a new perspective, top tier investor institutions continue to add a vote of confidence for the company. So Kathy Wood, she has been racking shares, especially as these growth stocks have been declining. But specifically for skills. Uh, Skills and Palantir, these are our top two. Plus 18 million shares, current value around 288 million. Number's a little outdated, uh, but uh, still in line. Atlas Ventures, these guys led one of their earlier uh, series uh, investments uh, for skills. They have about 372 million. Wildcat Capital Management, 344 million. And then of course, established institutions like Morgan Stanley Investment Management, 322 million, and the Vanguard Group, 309 million. Um, so yeah, so this company uh, does have some pretty big powerhouses supporting it and giving that vote of confidence. So now that the company addressed their concerns from the short reports during their earnings call and with the continued positive performance, they are on track in building an ecosystem greater than the mobile gaming, according to the CEO. So he was quoted saying, we started with mobile gaming, but we think about the world as digital competition. And this is about building out the future of digital competition. So Interesting. I'm going to keep that phrase in my memory here, digital competition. I hope to see that maybe through some of these other uh, uh, gaming slash esports companies that come about uh, and some from some, you know, remaining incumbents. Uh, I, I kind of like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, as always, 
stay incurably curious. And if you like the content, please make sure to share this newsletter, share this post, or follow me on Twitter and or subscribe. Uh, and I hope you guys see the both sides of the story here, uh, as well as just understanding the company in itself, especially after you're seeing all this hype about skills uh, uh, across the news. So I hope this gives you guys a good starting foundation. With that, uh, on to the next company uh, that will also be in the same space. So to be continued.